Welcome to Jane Unchained, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and JaneUnchained.com founder, Jane Velez Mitchell. In the next few minutes, you'll hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your life, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. Yes, welcome. We've got a crisis in the UN, uh, in the in the Ukraine, as everybody knows, and the crisis is humanitarian, but it's also an animal crisis. Hundreds of thousands of people are fleeing cities and the countryside in the Ukraine, headed to borders, Poland, Romania, and um, other areas, desperately trying to get out. They are taking their animals. There are images and video of people literally marching, elderly people with their cats in their coats for miles upon miles. We're going to go straight out to Ashley Byrne of People for the Ethical Treatment of animals. Ashley, bring us up to date. What is the very latest going on in the Ukraine? First of all, Jane, thank you so much for uh, having us on and for discussing this. Um, Obviously, animals don't wage wars. And along with innocent human civilians, they are often some of the worst affected. Uh, And so uh, I know that uh, animals were being separated from their human guardians at border crossings, um, and, you know, as as you say, people were taking extreme measures um, to, to stay with these animals only only to be, uh, you know, meeting with this resistance. So PETA Germany rushed to the Polish border to help prevent any more heartbreak for these uh, people who are desperately fleeing the Ukraine. And we, um, you know, PETA Germany's team is currently um, on the ground providing food, providing resources, helping people who are exhausted from making this journey. Um, And PETA is also appealing um, to to countries um, bordering the Ukraine, uh, as well as uh, the UK, PETA is appealing for countries to drop the red tape, drop the bureaucracy, drop the, the, um, you know, the things that make it difficult for people to cross with their animals. Absolutely. While uh, Hungary, Poland and Romania are part of the European Union, they are relaxing their rules, according to published reports. Obviously, in the fog and chaos of war, we don't know exactly what's happening. It may be on a border crossing point by border crossing point. But the word we're getting from people on the ground uh, and PETA is that Poland, Romania and Hungary are relaxing these strict requirements that animals be vaccinated and microchip before they can cross the border and they're letting them across. But other European Union nations and the United Kingdom are, according to reports, not relaxing uh, their strict rules, which is crazy. I mean, we're in a desperate situation. People are grabbing their pets, sometimes without carriers, and walking dozens of miles, 60 kilometers was one report, and collapsing on the other side of the border, let them take their animals across. Simone Reyes, what is your reaction to bureaucratic red tape in a situation that is this desperate? Well, as you said, we've seen some amazing um, efforts from from countries. We would have passed Hungary, Poland, all of them relaxing a lot of their red tape. Um, Obviously, we appeal to those that have not. Poland, for example, has really stepped up, I feel, because what they're doing is if you can show um, an address of where you live in Poland, you can take your animals straight through the border to wherever your destination is. If you cannot show that, then out of their own pockets, they are paying for those animals to be quarantined at a shelter near the border where uh, people can come and retrieve their animals in a couple of weeks. I mean, this really shows what the human animal bond has been recognized in. And, and, you know, obviously it's, you know, activist groups and, and, you know, animal lovers are always seen as, you know, the diehards. But what we're seeing is people are realizing that this bond is as strong as usually stronger than a human to human bond. And that uh, in many ways, it's animals that end up saving their humans versus the other way around. 
right? With that kind of support, sometimes an animal is the only family that someone has, and they will do anything as we have seen to, to save the animal's life, because in essence, it's also saving their own lives. And in the fog and chaos of war, it's often these animals. Imagine people who raced out of their homes thinking they could go back in a few hours. And there are dogs and cats inside apartments right now who uh, may be dying of thirst and dying of hunger. And this is what happens in wars. Think about the zoo in Kiev, which is was one of the largest, if not the largest zoo in the former Soviet Union and has had problems in the past. I was reading about it last night. There have been controversies surrounding the care of these animals in that zoo. Who's taking care of those animals? Donnie Moss, you are um, an investigative journalist. Theirturn.net is your outlet. What have you been able to find out about how animals are being treated during this crisis? Well, we know it's not just zoo animals. Ukraine has an estimated 50,000 stray animals living on the streets. And many of the shelters in the Ukraine take care of at least some of these animals. And so they've got animals on the streets and in their own shelters who need food, veterinary care, sometimes surgeries. And so it's a massive problem. You know, animals are so often the, the sort of forgotten victims of these not only natural disasters, but in this case, a man-made disaster. I'm happy to see this time around that the animals aren't forgotten. So much of the media coverage, Jane, has emphasized that people are fleeing with their animals as it all as it should. And so, yeah, there are shelters on the ground and, and rescue groups on the ground in the Ukraine. They're not leaving. They can't leave because they can't leave the animals behind. And um, and we have to do whatever we can to support those organizations and the shelters in border countries that are coming to the border to help people who are fleeing with their companion animals. And what strikes me as so crazy England, the United Kingdom, has had a reputation for being very hard to bring dogs to. We've heard horror stories over the decades about people having to quarantine their dogs, unlike France, where I personally know people who go to France with their dogs. Um, now, there is this rule that says that their companion animals have to be microchipped and vaccinated. Think about how how idiotic, excuse me, that's my personal opinion. It is to keep that rule in place when people are risking their lives and marching in freezing temperatures, getting hypothermia and keeping their dogs with them. Are they really going to lose their dogs on the other side of the border? That's what microchipping is for, to make sure you don't lose your dog. If you've risked your life and you've marched on the streets um, and and the roads and collapsed on the other side of the border, are you really going to then turn around and say, oh, I'm not going to I'm going to my, let my dog just roam loose? No. And as far as the vaccination, these are pets for the most part, going across the border. We're gonna talk about sanctuaries in a minute, but these are people's pets, they're dogs and cats. They're not, they don't have rabies, okay? Those are stray animals that would be more likely to have rabies. So Ashley Byrne of PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, I know you're doing so much on the ground. You are, PETA is befriending, animal-friendly guards at the border. Tons of food has been brought across by PETA into the Ukraine at great risk to the activists themselves. What would you say about these rules? No, you're absolutely, Jane. Um, You are right that, you know, um, these procedures aren't legally required for animals in the Ukraine. So, So many of people's companion animals um, don't have microchips. They don't have these vaccines that are required in other countries. And it is it is cruel and nonsensical not to ease these restrictions um, to accommodate desperate people and these companion animals who may be all they have left. Uh, that's why along with um, administering aid, um, you know, at the borders and and as much as we can inside the Ukraine. Um, right now, we are also appealing to the Secretary of State for Environment, Food and Rural Affairs 
in the UK, George Eustace. On Friday, PDUK rushed an urgent letter urging him to loosen national restrictions to allow Ukrainians and their animal companions refuge in the UK. Um, and other PETA entities have also obviously been appealing um, to other EU countries about their individual restrictions. And you're you're right. I mean, this is, you know, obviously, obviously, all of us as as animal lovers are big proponents of microchipping of of you know vaccines for animals, all of these things. But this is this is a time when these things need to be set aside and we need to prioritize keeping people and these companion animals who are their families together. Um, and so, you know, I just do want to say that anyone um, who wants more information on this and on how they can reach out can visit the PETA UK website. Um, and they can also, um, anyone who needs information themselves, anyone who is fleeing the Ukraine, anyone who needs details on the individual um, situation for each country's restrictions can visit the PDUK website as well, because they have a page now dedicated um, to the, the, the rules in different countries and what people can expect. Now, I got an email. I think it was probably a mass email from Ingrid Newkirk, the founder of PETA, last night. I want to read it to you. She said, PETA Germany has managed to get over the border from Poland and is there shepherding animals out. And we have delivered a 7.5 ton lorry's worth of food to a shelter that is so far safe. We are befriending guards who like animals, etc. And as we've mentioned, all the PETA Europe affiliates and PETA UK have petitioned the various governments to waive restrictions on animal entries on a humanitarian emergency basis. So far, Poland, Hungary and Romania have agreed. So those are immediate border countries bordering the Ukraine. However, Donnie, Ultimately, people may have relatives in the United Kingdom. They may have relatives in the United States. What are we hearing about efforts of people, by the way, who are traumatized? Obviously, the idea of further traumatizing them by forcing them to leave their beloved companion animal at a border in the middle of winter and then cross over without them. That is, to me, the worst traumatization almost for me it would be the worst traumatization forcing somebody to betray their own beloved animal what are we hearing about uh, the rules in the united states donnie so during covid the cdc imp implemented a ban on the import of dogs from 118 countries around the world and the ukraine and russia are on that list there are going to be people, Jane, who are fleeing Ukraine with their companion animals who are going to eventually make their way to family members in the U.S. And so I got a statement from Bonnie Clapper. She's an attorney who does pro bono legal work for rescue groups in other countries, including China and Afghanistan. And I asked her about how this uh, war will affect companion animals who might be entering the U.S. And here's what she said. I just want to read you her statement as Poland, Romania and other countries allow refugees to enter with their companion animals without requiring health departments. The U.S. will not allow any dogs in because of the unwarranted and unjustified CDC dog ban. The ban's justification preventing dogs with rabies from entering the U.S. has been proven fallacious as there has been zero increase in the number of dogs with rabies entering the U.S. Not surprisingly, the American Kennel Club is one of the strongest supporters of this ban. So Americans who hold a legal permanent residency in the U.S. or those who have a U.S. visa must either stay and risk death or flee without their dogs. If you find this appalling, email Emily Pieracci at the CDC and tell her that this ban must be lifted so that people can bring in their dogs. And that email address is cdcanimalimports at cdc.gov. We will put that in. We need a campaign. We need a campaign. This is not right for the United States to be 
putting up a roadblock at a time when desperate people are trying to get out and may have relatives in the United States they can live with and want to bring their companion animals. This is just wrong. We have to say that there's so many different layers to it. The shelter layer. Now, uh, you can go online and see a whole bunch of shelters that are not just taking care of dogs and cats, but taking care of horses and goats and lambs and pigs and turkeys and cows. And then you've got to wonder what's happening with the factory farms. If there are factory farms in the Ukraine, which is horrifying enough, but could those animals who were stuck in crates uh, be abandoned? Uh, I, I, I want to throw that to Ashley. Do you have any information on that? You know, Jane, I... I don't have information on what is happening right now with, um, you know, animals being farmed for food or or fur or other things in the Ukraine. But we do know we have seen in in other um, disasters in other weather related disasters in, in wars, we see that these animals who are, uh, you know, just looked at as as objects as property as merchandise we see that so often um they are abandoned their interests are just swept to the side um when people have other priorities if they aren't viewing these these living feeling breathing sentient animals um as as beings if they do just view them as disposable merchandise we do see that um that very often they are abandoned to fend for themselves and and ultimately to die we've seen this elsewhere um so it, it's nightmarish to think about certainly um and it's um you know again one of the one of the many things in in other places that um i think has really um it called into question, you know, when we hear these different industries saying we love our animals well, you know, when it when it comes to something like this, very often um, you kind of see evidence of of the perils of treating animals as property, uh, looking at them that way. However, the sanctuaries, the shelters, um, we do see these people putting their own lives at risk to stay and care for these animals. Um, and care for animals that people are leaving with them as they flee the country. Um, I mean, it's it's heroic work that's being done by these people. Well, this, as you said, war is hell, but it's also hellish for animals. And we have so demonized animals in our culture, except for dogs and cats, that to even discuss the plight of animals in the time of war is considered sort of off topic, which outrages me. And it is an argument against these massive farms, because just like when there are hurricanes in the United States and they abandon their concentrated animal feeding operations and let all these poor animals, hundreds of thousands of them in warehouses houses drown it's the same situation there it's it it's it's a very powerful argument against these massive concentrated animal feeding operations because when something bad happens and that seems to be happening more and more in the world between climate change and international conflicts these animals are just abandoned and since there's such a small ratio of human to uh animals sometimes it's one person for fifty thousand animals there's no way that they can take care of them Simone. There, of, of course, there's no way, which is why it's so important to be, you know, looking at the links and, and obviously every group I know and every animal group is updating the links as they become available. Well, whether it's a small sanctuary who've quite possibly just like we do here in the U.S. have gotten animals straight out of factory farms and now they're having them live on their property. Um, I know that there are a couple that I've seen links for of people who have like 142 goats and, you know, a couple dozen cows and things like that. And people are sending money there. Um, people forget, you know, it's like we see these images of people who are fleeing but i've also been you know seeing reports i know there's a, an animal rights activist who who rescued several animals uh, she lived in the kirsten oblast area and her 12 year old son found her dead yesterday a missile hit their home obviously killing her and i'm sure most of her if not all of her animals so i think it's really important that we um 
that we understand. Like, everybody wants to know, well, where, where do we donate? Has this place been vetted? You know, yes, we're, that's what we're doing. That's why the larger organizations like PETA and, you know, can look at those things. But what we really need to realize is this is war. We are talking about people being killed. We are talking about the president of the Ukraine wearing fatigues and going out and, and trying to defend his country. Even though he had the opportunity to leave, he said no, that he would stay. He said, I don't need a ride. I need ammunition. So what we have to realize is this is changing every single second. So if we really care about animals, we have to constantly be checking our feeds and doing what we can because it's not just the companion animals, it's all animals that are being hit by, by this insane war. And so I'm so grateful to the larger groups who are actually getting these links together because it sort of seems like it's you know fishing a, you know for a needle in a haystack sometimes of knowing where to give your money to make sure that these are organizations that are you know using the money for what we need. I mean, personally, what what really got me from these images is you have two arms, right? You have two hands. And from that, you might need your medications. You might need your clothing to keep you warm. You might need extra food. Instead of having a, a knapsack or a suitcase, people are using their only two arms that they have to carry cats and dogs out of this desperate situation. And so anything that we can do, and I think we need to really be starting to use social media really, really hardcore on the countries that are not stepping up and helping people get out or helping them, you know, get food to their animals and things like that, because it's it's outrageous at this point. I think it's well documented of the human animal bond and what it means to both species and how we are lifelines for each other. So when you know a war hits a country, it hits every living sentient being. We've got some callers, hopefully on topic this time. Lindsay from Los Angeles, your question or thought? Yes, I just, you know, I've been transfixed to uh, watching the television news and also, uh, frankly, on TikTok because it's been giving a lot of information out and there is very little mention of the animals. You do hear, as Simone was saying, of people carrying their animals out and people really caring about their companion animals, but all of the animals that are left behind, it's so important, as you folks were saying, for those of us that are activists, animal rights activists, because others, not to say that I am not I donating, doing whatever I can, I want to know what else I can do for people, but also we do have to remember the animals, and it's so important, the work you guys are doing, and I wanted to just uh, give my support and solidarity. So whatever we can do, I'm glad we have the links now. I was waiting uh, this morning. I took a step and donated. If you can donate, please do so. I know not everybody can, but you can certainly share. And as Simone was saying, get on social media, get the word out there, support these people, get the right information out and help help with this horrific crisis that's going on right now. Thank you. Thank you, Lindsay. And on UnchainedTV.com, we have an article. You can donate to the International Compassion Fund of People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. And there's two sanctuaries that were recommended. We obviously can't vet those sanctuaries. However, they did come highly recommended. They are on the article on UnchainedTV.com. Uh, Paige, your question or thought? Yes. You know, this seems to be a crisis situation that has occurred before. What do you feel that we can do going forward as animal activists in countries where they are leaving behind the animals? What do you feel um, as experts there you know, we can do to push this forward to take care of the animals in these crisis situations? I agree. Uh Donnie, the last time we were on together, we were talking about the withdrawal of Afghanistan and the crisis of dogs left behind there. And it seems like we are reactive. We're waiting for the next crisis. Doesn't there need to be some kind of international coordination that says crises will occur in various parts of the world? Here are the emergency rules that go into place when there's a war, when there's a withdrawal, when there's whatever, and have it preordained so we don't have all this craziness, Donnie. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be vital to have plans in place. And we should all have plans in place, even those of us here, uh, in case of an emergency. What would we do with our companion animals? Do we have carriers or Sherpa bags uh, of, of and, and emergency food and medicine available to us? It's something that we should all be thinking about. I mean, this also calls attention to sort of the overpopulation of companion animals. And we should be in every country on social media, reminding people that they should adopt animals and not buy animals from a breeder or a pet shop because it just produces more and more animals, many of whom end up in the streets or in shelters. So you know, really the only people who should have companion animals in the first place are those who can, can provide them with a, 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 a safe and healthy home and who would be able to get them out in the event of an emergency. Absolutely. Um, Ashley, PETA is so good at organization. It seems to me that the world and governments and international bodies and NGOs are just leaving animals out of the picture when it comes to planning. And there has to be an international emergency response that just preempts having to plead with some bureaucrat in the United Kingdom to do it right when everybody's in the midst of a crisis. Can't we get a system going where animals are part of the equation? I mean, Jane, I think you're absolutely right about that. And, you know, I would hope that one thing that may come out of what we've seen um, coming out of the Ukraine in the past few days is a, a broader understanding um, from, you know, from government officials, from, from everyone of exactly how much people's companion animals do mean to them. Because as Simone said, I mean, it was such a, such a good point. You see these people fleeing and they have nothing. They're not carrying bags. They're not carrying anything, but they're carrying their animals. And so this should drive home to government officials, to all of us that, um, I mean, this this is so vitally important, obviously for the animals, but also for people. Like this this means so much. It's so important. I would hope that this will have that these images, these heartbreaking images, will have the ripple effect of of making the the people making the sort of bureaucratic decisions understand how important this is to people getting them to understand that people will risk their own lives if, if they're not given the opportunity to flee safely with their animals. And I also just wanted to say, you know, I'm glad that we are talking about this because Donnie also made a great point that, um, you know, we, we're watching this on the news right now. Sometimes we think of this as, as a problem that happens elsewhere. PETA has um, campaigns right here in the United States um, urging people to have a plan, have an evacuation plan that includes their animals and to think ahead, especially with climate change, with increasing weather disasters. We are seeing um, just so many situations where people are forced to flee their homes with very little notice. Um, and we've, you know, we send rescue teams in whenever we can to these areas because so often people are not prepared and they're leaving their animals behind. And, um, it, it, you know, that that is a fatal decision so often for these animals. So um, we have many campaigns urging people wherever they live to think ahead and have a plan that includes their animals and never to assume that an animal left to fend for themselves um, is going to make it. We are can talking about, the, can I add to go that? Go ahead, one? yes, go ahead. Okay, so lots of times, right, we see these issues happening in other countries and we're quick to say, well, you should have this or you should have that, exactly what Ashley is saying, right? As she said, PETA and social compassion and legislation, and, and, and I'm sure other groups as well, have taken that into consideration because right here, right here in some of our, you know, most wonderful, you know, rich neighborhoods, right, 
There are absolutely no plans right in place on on the books to get animals out of bad situations like the fires that we have here in California, which is why Social Compassion actually announced the introduction of um, AB 1648, which is the Animal Evacuation Act. And that happened after the Woolsey fires here. And so that will you know, make it mandatory that if, if people want to obtain a permit uh, to create and submit an animal wildfire evacuation plan has to be in place. So if they want an animal, they have to have the, the plan in place. That's not even on the books yet. That's just something that we're trying to move through to make a, a law. We, it's all it's just a bill right now. It didn't get through the last time. So this is something this is a global problem. Right. Just as Ashley said, this is something that every single country needs to have and every single state needs to have because Right here, we saw animals being let go in order to escape the fires because there was no nobody had any plans. Nobody had any trailers or anything. So, yeah, this is something that we need to you know, collectively make sure that the animals have an actual plan, no matter what the disaster is, no matter what the country is, starting right here in our own backyards. We are talking about the humanitarian and animal crisis in the Ukraine as a result of Russia's invasion of that country. And it's not an either or. Those two crises are intertwined. People care about their animals. They are literally, as Simone said, leaving everything behind just so they can take their dog or their cat. There are hundreds of photos on social media of this happening. They're getting to the border. We understand that Poland and Romania and Hungary are relaxing rules that would be normal during normal times, but are crazy during these desperate times and letting people cross over with their animals. However, the United Kingdom in and the European Union in general, even though those three countries are members of the European Union, they're border countries with the Ukraine. They're relaxing their rules. And the EU in general is reportedly not. That needs to change. We're also learning from Donnie Moss, who spoke to an attorney who's well versed in this, that people are not allowed to bring their animals from the Ukraine into the United States, which is another problem because people fleeing, they're going to flee to Poland or Hungary or Romania, but they may not want to stay there. They may have relatives in the United States that they want to go to or relatives in the United Kingdom or relatives in France. So these rules are very, very um, absurd. They're absurd and they traumatize people people who are already deeply traumatized, who have had to leave their entire lives behind and they've chosen to take their pet and to tell them that they have to leave that pet at the border is just an absolute outrage and it shouldn't happen. So Donnie, what can we do to use this as an opportunity to change the equation? I mean, if you look back in history, there have been times where the thought of animals wouldn't have even crossed anybody's mind. There wouldn't have been social before social media. There might not have been any photographs of people leaving with animals. Social media has allowed average people to play journalist and show what's really going on. How do we use this terrible tragedy as an opportunity, given that we're dealing with increasing numbers of crises around the world due to climate change? How do we help the global culture evolve so that animals are considered in the equation when there's emergency planning. I think we need to shine a spotlight on the animals who are victims of these man-made uh, uh, disasters. For instance, when we've seen fires and floods in factory farms as a result of a natural disaster, We've done whatever we can on our own social media outlets and where the mainstream media has failed us to expose the plight of the animals who are left to drown or burn. And likewise, uh, there are going to be people on the ground in the Ukraine who are going to expose the plight of the animals who are in shelters and who aren't getting the food and veterinary care uh, and, and medicine that they might need because of supply chain issues in the Ukraine. So we all have to use our own platforms to expose these atrocities and encourage people to change their own behaviors, which contribute to them. One of which, of course, is 
is eating animals. Um, I remember, Jane, during Katrina, people were being rescued by boat in New Orleans. And I think many people were prohibited from bringing their companion animals onto those boats. And, you know, it was the first time that I remember sort of a mass, and maybe that's because social media was relatively new at the time. You heard about all of these sob stories about people having to leave behind their animals. And of course, I'm sure many of those animals died. And so I think because of that, there's more and more attention given to at least the companion animals who are victims of these disasters. And as I said, we just need to use our platforms um, to to get the word out in the absence of mainstream media coverage of all of these victims. Uh, very good point. And we can do something right now. You can go to Peter's, Peter's Twitter account and tweet at the European Union official. I'm holding in my hand a letter that Peter sent to this uh, Honorable George Eustace, Secretary of State for Environment, Food and Rural Affairs, and basically saying uh, this is. I'll just read it. I'm uh, writing on behalf of PETA and our 1.3 million members and supporters regarding the current tragedy facing the people of Ukraine and their companion animals as they attempt to flee war. Reports suggest that these traumatized people are faced with the impossible decision of leaving behind loved, beloved animals due to the protocol for non-commercial movement of of companion animals into the EU. Similarly, the UK has strict laws on the import of animals from overseas, and we urge you to relax them and allow Ukrainian refugees to travel here with their companion animals. And pointing out that border countries, including Hungary, Poland, and Romania, are loosening their their restrictions to make the process of admitting companion animals less bureaucratic. We urge the UK to follow suit. Um, so you can go to PETA's Twitter and you can retweet as I've done their plea. You can also go to PETA.org. There's an article right at the top and you can get in there and they have Facebook pages where you can go and make your point on the government Facebook page, which I did. I never ask anybody to do something I don't do myself. Um, we're trying to get through to these people any way we can. And, you know, it's so weird that the United Kingdom of all places, renowned for being lovers of pets, the queen has her famous dogs, that they would be the ones standing in the way, Simone. Yeah, it's actually surprising. Maybe it shouldn't be as surprising, but it is surprising. Um, of course, those dogs are usually, they have a history of being used for hunting. But um, what we need to do is use social media. We are so, so lucky. I mean, when we, Ashley and I in particular, Donnie, and I know you too, Jane, when we first started in this movement, there was no social media. There were phone trees <laughs> and there were, um, you know, calling people and knocking on their doors and having to come out. Now we have an incredible monster of, uh, of social media and nobody really wants to be called out on social media. It doesn't look good. It doesn't help their reputations. It doesn't help their legacy. So, you know, even for people who are like, I don't have any money to donate, which is completely understandable, right? We're still in a pandemic or people who are like, I don't know what to do. The power of social media by taking these tweets and retweeting and targeting people that way, the heads of, of, you know, of countries that matters. They care about that. They see it and they know about it. So I would say for everybody watching this, if you, if you can do nothing else, go to Twitter, go to your Facebook, go to your Instagram, go to your TikTok, go everywhere and get all of these links. I'm sure Jane will have them all listed and really hit hard on social media. And also, you know, it's not just targeting the people that are doing things wrong, right? It's thanking the countries that are doing things right. So use your time to do both because they have to see that, you know, even though they're not doing they're they're not doing everything that they can in all of these situations there's a lot of paperwork that has to be done at the border or prior which is 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 difficult as well but at least they're doing what they can to get people through there also there's limits on how many animals are allowed i think hungary is allowing five per person and obviously when you have a shelter trying to get out with their animals they're going to have a lot more than five per person but for whatever small measures go on social media and thank them because that means something as well we are talking about the humanitarian and animal crisis in the Ukraine, people fleeing with their animals, 
trying to get across the border and they're having luck reportedly when they hit the border with Poland, Hungary and Romania. But then as they get further into the European Union, there is some bureaucratic red tape that could be holding them up. And these people, here's one tweet from PETA UK. This brave woman walked about 60 kilometers with her beloved cat. She was so exhausted that she could no longer stand after crossing the border. They are both safe now and are receiving support from PETA Germany. And the photograph is of a woman in a wheelchair collapsed. Uh, That is the proof that if anybody's looking for proof that animals are important, that uh, is right there. She has said it with her hands and her feet. This is what's important. It's more important than a painting. It's more important than money. It's more important than clothes. People are taking their animals with them, uh, Ashley. Absolutely. And and we need to do everything we can to support those people and support those animals. And that's actually um, in addition to what Simone was saying, um, which is 100%, we can all get on social media and you know either pressure governments that aren't doing the right thing or thank the ones that, that are making improvements. Another thing that we can do is that we can, um, we can share the resources for people who are fleeing um, you know, I, again, PETA UK has a resource page with information for people and, you know, um, we can share that. So it's out there to make sure it's getting to anyone who is fleeing and desperately needs to know where they can go and, and what they can expect. Um, PETA.org. It's that simple. You go to PETA.org and it's right there. It's the top story last night that I checked and you just go in there and it has all the resources. And there are if you just Google dogs or pets of the Ukraine or animals of the Ukraine, there's stories on the dodo. There's there's a whole bunch of uh, stories about various sanctuaries. Obviously, we can't vet them. I personally have donated to a couple of sanctuaries that uh, I saw that uh, we're doing good work. Uh, And of course, I support PETA as much as I can. But um, we don't know. Obviously, we're not there on the ground. But but look, uh, these existing sanctuaries in the Ukraine, those are animal lovers who are running those sanctuaries. They didn't just pop up overnight. So I think it's better to focus on existing sanctuaries in the UK that have been saving animals that have on their Instagram page photos of the animals that they've saved and a history than some fly by night that just might pop up because of this crisis. That's usually where you have to be a little more concerned. Uh, Donnie, uh, one thing that really upsets me, and I was thinking about this as I was writing the story for UnchainedTV.com last night, is that we have so denigrated animals in our society that if you just do a headline like crisis for animals in the Ukraine, people who are not animal activists will say, well, why do you care about animals? I'm caring about people as if it's an either or. And this is sort of a speciesist mindset that still exists where if you do any kind of comparison of the plight of animals to the plight of humans, people denigrate you quite often. And they also kind of accuse you of being either emotionally immature or not serious, not serious in terms of dealing with um, the real problem. And obviously the pandemic is an example. And yet, if you look at the root causes of the pandemic, it was abuse of animals. The New York Times just this week, and it was buried because of the Ukraine invasion, did a story saying the scientists have concluded that it's almost 100 percent certain it happened in a wet market where live mammals were being slaughtered. And yet that crucial information was buried because of this invasion. And still, if we try to talk about the importance of respect for animals, people will say, oh, Hmm. I love your passion, like your, uh, they they treat you like you're emotionally stunted on some level. 
Well, I mean, I think we should always remind people, Jane, that compassion isn't finite. We can care about and take care of all animals, human and non-human. And to the people who say that we shouldn't be focused on animals in times of crisis like this, I would remind them that humans are the ones who create crises like this, and, and sadly, including natural disasters because of what we're doing to the planet. So, I mean, all other animals are born, except for humans, are born onto the planet. They take just what they need to survive and they leave the planet just the way we found it. We humans are the only species that rapes, pillages and plunders and consumes far more than we need and leaves the planet far worse off than it is. So why are we entitled to sort of special rights or compassion? These innocent animals they're the ones who we should be taking care of in addition to the people who are in trouble, in addition to the most vulnerable of humans. And this is an important issue as has been brought up. It's an important issue because of climate change. Extreme weather is in our future. I personally live in a tsunami zone. There's signs up and down my street. I am in Los Angeles near the beach and I have a carrying case for my cat and some carrying cases for my dogs. I have a plan in my head. If there's an earthquake, if there's um, one of these floods with climate change causing more moisture to be absorbed in the atmosphere when it rains, we are going to have extreme rains that lead to flooding more and more frequently, not to mention the rising sea levels. Uh, I do have an evacuation plan. I don't know if it's the best one, but I have in my head that I need to be able to leave with my animals knowing I might not be able to come back, including cats who are more difficult to take than dogs quite often. So we need to start talking about this and thinking about this. Uh, I know, Simone, you were mentioning that there was this proposed law that you're involved in to insist that there are evacuation plans in the event of fire here in California, which has become like the fire capital of the world. Exactly. And, and of course, it, you know, it really does need to be a plan because we have friends who are in the private sector and also, of course, the, you know, accredited sanctuaries. We're talking about potentially 200, 300 animals that need to get out immediately. Who can have 200 or 300, you know, uh, trailers on their property? So it really needs to be like a, a very specific plan. And people, obviously, there's a lot going on in our lives and people don't think about it until they have to think about it. And I also, if I could just mention one more thing when you were talking about Jane, how, um, you know, when we post things about the animals of Ukraine and how suddenly that means that we don't care about the babies or the elderly or the, or the military Military, you know, that because somehow we're, we're caring about animals that we have, um, as Donnie said, that we are like a one issue, um, you know, movement. And the fact of the matter is, is like because animal rights activists seem to get the whole picture that we are all interconnected, that compassion knows no bounds, that there are no boundaries to it. When I go to and when I went to Occupy Wall Street, when I went to the, you know, when I go to pride marches or BLM protests or the Women's March on Washington, that's where I see all of my vegan friends, you know, because we we extend that. Right. We, we, we are for social justice. I know a lot of people in the movement. Movement, honestly, they don't even have any animals at home. They don't need to because they care about what is right. They care about compassion. They care about justice. This is a social justice movement. So, um, yeah, for us, you know, having this talk about the animals, it is all interconnected. You know, a true animal rights activist, from my experience, there's no boundaries to our compassion. So we only have a couple of minutes left. Ashley, tell us about, again, a recap for those who might be just joining us of what PETA is doing on the ground in the Ukraine. We know from Ingrid Newkirk sending out a message late last night uh, that you've managed to get across the border and deliver a 7.5 ton lorries worth of food to a shelter. Um, my gosh, what else is going on? We, we have, Jane, thank you. And, and all together, um, we have distributed approximately 44,000 pounds of dog and cat food so far, um, as well as blankets and other supplies to shelters in the area, 
Um, we've been shepherding animals safely across the Ukrainian-Polish border, um, administer, uh, administering the urgent care to uh, to those in need when they when they are crossing. Because remember, they're they're crossing in very extreme conditions. Um, and um, actually, Peter Germany's partner organization in Romania is also offering to vaccinate dogs and cats free of charge, um, and carrying out necessary blood tests and providing the animals with food and veterinary care when they're arriving um, and and we will continue to do everything we can um, delivering food delivering supplies even as you said um, just figuring out who the sympathetic guards are we will do everything in our power um, as as long as we're uh, able to be there and we we need everybody to rise up this is a global problem a few months ago, it was Afghanistan where there was a horrific scene at the airport, people leaving their animals, a shelter trying to leave with animals, being prevented, all sorts of drama, chaos and tragedy. Now it's the Ukraine. What's it going to be tomorrow? The world is in crisis. That's sort of the norm. Unfortunately, we lurch from one crisis to the other. We really need to make sure that animals are part of the equation from the get go. And to me, this is yet another great argument why we should not have factory farms, because there is no way to take care of animals in that large a number, and that's what they are, they're factory farms, giant warehouses where animals are kept by sometimes the hundreds of thousands. There's no way to evacuate them. It's impossible. Therefore, that in itself is a reason why they should not exist, Donnie. Yeah, uh, Jane, even when there isn't a natural disaster, like a fire or a flood, the animals in factory farms don't get veterinary care or ba basically anything else beyond sustenance to live, uh, which is, of course, a reason in and of itself that they shouldn't exist. I guess I'd just circle back to those left behind in, in Ukraine. Uh, Aaron Burnett, a CNN reporter, who uh, uh, an anchor who was reporting from a West a city in Western Ukraine said that she was in the street looking for a restaurant uh, to buy a lunch for her staff. And the only place that she could find that was open was a cat cafe, which is a shelter for cats that also sells food. And, um, you know, I think she was really struck by it by, and, and tweeted about it. And so we, I just I just want to remind everybody that in addition to the to the people who are escaping with their animals who need help, there are animals on the ground throughout this country who need our help. And um, and so we should do what we can. Absolutely. We've been talking a lot about people fleeing with their pets, but also you have people who are huddled. Dogs need to be walked. People hiding in their apartments, right, trying to ride out this crisis. They've got dogs that need to be walked, that need to be fed. Where are they going to get food? How are they going to go out and walk their dogs? I mean, it's a nightmare. War is a nightmare. Everything about it is a nightmare, Simone. Yes. I mean, there are certain areas where people are going into bomb shelters. This is so stressful for the animals. What what strikes me is that, honestly, if I, God forbid, that there was something like this here and I tried to get my cat out of my house with just my arms, I would be shredded from here. And I mean, there would be no way. Um, but it, it Obviously, we're seeing it. I'm shocked at how many animals that, that there aren't any carriers for. It, it's it's unbelievable to me, but it also shows that the animals, as scared as they are, are clinging to their, their humans, right? They're desperate, they're terrified. Looking at these pictures will officially ruin anybody's day, but if we can just turn that around and not just, you know, sit in, 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 in the tears that I know all of us have shed by looking at these images and feeling hopeless and helpless. If we can at least get on social media, send whatever money that we can, and at least feel like we're part of the solution, that's the only way to get through this. Because a lot of us are empaths. We feel this very, very deeply. It could be our animals and and the way to look at it is these are our animals so thankfully we have some links that we can share to try to get this going thank you all amazing you're all my heroes i appreciate you watching i appreciate you participating 
Visit UnchainedTV.com to get information, PETA.org, Social Compassion and Legislation, and TheirTurn.net. Together, we can speak up for voiceless animals. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Jane Unchained. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week.